Alright, what's up listeners? Welcome back to Predator vs. Movies. I'm Alex. I'm Peter. I'm Aiden. And this is a podcast where we discuss and review the latest movie releases. We're going to start off with a non-spoiler review before diving into a deep discussion of the film, and then we're going to ask the most important question, would this movie be better if the alien from Predator was in it? This week, we're going to be reviewing the live-action remake uh, called Peter Pan and Wendy by David Lowry. Um Ooh. Before we get into it, like uh, Peter has remake or something, right? This is not the first live action Peter Pan. They've made yeah, there was right? one in like two thousand three or something. And, okay. Yeah. Um, I don't. I know Hook was from the nineties. I don't know if there's other, but like Peter Pan one. is Peter Pan is like an idea that is in the like what's it? Not the public consciousness. The it's. Like it's the zeitgeist. Yeah, no, it's in the domain. Peter got it. It's in the public domain, I think. So anyone can do it, which is why like Disney doesn't have a like they they're not the only one who can do it. So that's why you. This isn't the first live action remake, but it's Disney's. As far as I know, it's Disney's first live action remake of it. Um, That's crazy. Uh, But before we get into that movie, Peter has some news for us. Yes. So uh, the CinemaCon happened this past weekend, and. there are a lot of exclusive looks that got shown off during the convention itself that the public didn't get to see. So there was like a new Dune trailer, there's a flash screening, etc., etc. But we, what we did get is a couple of new pictures, uh, new looks from the Dune movie, and they look amazing. The, they kept the vibe and the costume, the amazing costume and set design from the first film, and they're going to carry over to the second film. Uh, and uh, we're going to see a bald Austin Butler, which I know Aiden's very excited about. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want him to be in Elvis. Actor. I want him to be in Elvis voice for the entire movie, actually. Oh my god. Use the That'd voice. Awesome. Mama. But yeah, yeah, very, yeah like, cool. like from Dune. Nice. Yeah. 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 And there are a lot nice of actors. for sure. Yeah, nice pictures. And also, there were so many actors coming out and saying that um, the Doom 2 is going to be much better than Doom 1. Yeah. I guess the only thing, as someone who's read the book, the only thing that I am, like, I'm wondering about, like, we've talked a little bit about, like, how are they going to do this? I feel like what I'm concerned about is that it's been, Doom 2 has been described as, like, oh, it's, like, this kind of war epic, like, a lot of battles. But, like, if you've read the book, the way the book goes is it's, like, one chapter will end with them being, okay, we're going to battle these people. And then the next chapter starts with, okay, so we battled these people and taken over all of their encampments and we won. And like, it, it never like showed, like the battle is almost never part of the book. So I'm, I'm wondering how they'll do that. Absolutely. I think the book is much more about Paul's like psychological and like, uh, almost yeah. like, like how he is sort of battling his own consciousness because he's sort of, he has this ability to, exists in multiple well i don't want to say exist but like experience multiple points in time all at once and how he's sort of uh using that ability to both manipulate i I like to say and also take control of the uh of the entire galactic empire so it's very 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 interesting because like paul is no way portrayed as like a perfect hero protagonist in the books yeah. and and i would love to see because in the first film we we're my, very much following paul as sort of like oh okay he's the main guy we, we're rooting for him but like uh in the books is much more about how even though he's portrayed as a protagonist he's not necessarily a good guy and i want to see that yeah. transition 
uh, yeah, I'm excited for that too. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Very cool. Also, Florence Pugh is in it. Nice. Um, sure we got is. some trailers. Yeah, we got some trailers this week. Uh, first up, we have a trailer from Taika Waititi's latest film called Next Goal Wins, and it follows uh, a team of rugby players being no. There's something about soccer. rugby. Is it rugby? I think soccer. It's yeah, soccer. 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 I don't. Yeah. I don't know why I thought it was rugby, but it's it's, it's America Samoa's soccer team, and they're really bad. And then Michael Fassbender, who is a good coach, I guess, is like exiled there, or like that's the only job he can get because he something happened, and he has to train these losers into winners. Hooray! It's one of those stories. Yeah. But um, I don't know. Twitter seemed to be very against it. I think. Taika Waititi has lost favor in the public eye uh, yeah. a bit for some different reasons, but I, for one, actually thought the trailer looked really good. I can't lie. So, I, uh, I I will hold out judgment. I mean, like I I even even disregarding um, Marvel, like I find Taika Waititi's filmography a little spotty. So like some movies I love, some movies I'm like I don't know about this. So um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm holding out judgment. I think I'm just really happy that Taika is sort of returning to this indie-looking type of movies because I think that's where he thrives as well. He's able to execute like really big emotional ideas through really funny and uh, light-hearted, uh, through a really funny yeah. and light-hearted tone. Like that's what he did in I'm thinking like for example Hunt for the Wilder People yeah. or Jojo Rabbit, where like really heavy themes to be honest. Um, and but like the stories themselves. And if we, like, we're, we're watching a movie, you're always able to crack a few laughs. Well, in the hunt for the Wilder People, for example, a lot of laughs. The movie was hilarious. But the, definitely, like, the end wraps things up in such a nice and cathartic way that uh, you are just, you know... I was, I was like, uh, on the brink of crying, to be honest, uh, for Hunt for Wilder People. It was, uh, yeah, uh, Hunt for Wilder People is my favorite movie of his, for sure. I know, like, I think um, the fact that he's able to do that is amazing, and I think that is his style. The fact that, uh, like, what he's done in Marvel is more, like, leaning towards a goofiness without the cathartic payout at the end. Sure. It's just uh, not really working. So it's all goofy, no heart. Yeah. Exactly. He's sort of returning to the to his domain, which I'm happy to see. Yeah. Yeah, I, so would, I would say, I don't know if it's so much a return as, like, it's like he takes turns doing his corporate job so that he can make a lot of money to then fund his it's like the, personal the guy from nope projects. the cinematographer from nope who's like i do one for oh. them so i can do one for me it is exactly like that that's yeah, what that's taika does because he did jojo rabbit between the thor films so it's not like He's returning. He's that's he's crazy. Yeah, you're right. He's going back and forth. He's doing. You know, he so, does one for Marvel, does one for him. Um, except the problem is yeah. JoJo is also not very good. I like JoJo. That's, that's, that's a character. personal opinion. Uh, I think there's charm to JoJo, but it's. I think. I don't know. We let's not get into JoJo again. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. The one thing that. I uh, got Twitter up in arms quite a bit was the fact that he added title cards that said brought to you by the loser of blank award and the loser of another oh, award yeah. despite <laughs> despite him winning an award for Jojo Rabbit he said loser <laughs> of best picture for Jojo Rabbit despite him winning best adapted screenplay yeah that's to that why would you... it's 
it's I I understand, but also like I think I think kind of the point is like the movie is about a team of losers, like the soccer yeah. team that is so bad, and they're like, like like some some crazy loss, like they lost thirty to zero, like so bad. Yeah. So like I think I think that was the idea was that it's a, a, a movie about losers by a guy who lost some things. You know, I don't think it was. It's not that deep, guys. That's how, that's my reading. Yeah, I, some of the things Agreed. that film Twitter gets mad at are really dumb. Like it's, I don't, I don't know Agreed. why you care about that beyond, whatever. If you don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why you care. Yeah, uh, another trailer we got this weekend from uh, CinemaCon is the third film from the uh, Hercule Poirot franchise by Kenneth Branagh. Now, I'm not by any stretch uh, a fan of these movies. I've only I saw Murder on the Orient Express, and I barely remember it. It was all right from my recollection, and I chose not to watch Death on the Nile. Uh, but I have to say, and now I'm the only one who's seen this trailer, so I'll just monologue for a bit, I guess, but this one has actually got me a little bit intrigued for the sole reason being that they're doing, like, a horror movie version of the detective story. So there's, yeah, like, so... kind of, like... What do you, Peter? I'm curious. What I are actually, you going to I say right now? I watched it. I watched it. You did watch the trailer. I, watched, I thought you yeah, said you yeah, did. Wa- Fucking liar. Yeah, during during uh, at the at the start, I was like, "Hey, why not?" I would just mute the trailer and like, see what's going on. I I think it's a cool take because um, I don't know if this is based on anything. I don't know if they they I'm they're based on a book or anything. they're all based it on is? books. Yeah, okay. Agatha Christie, Christie books. Novels. Yeah, I think it's cool though. I think like. Um, it's really interesting when they mix some like supernatural esque elements into detective stories. That's like so, sort of the vibe that, like Sherlock Holmes, before he solved the mysteries, the mysteries always seem to be just like there's no way this is happening in real life type of vibe. Before he like solved it and sort of got into it, and I think that is like the the type of mystery. It's like Scooby Doo. Happen- <laughs> like yeah, that, Scooby-Doo. that's the sort of mystery that uh, captivates a lot of people. I think it's like. Because, like, there's no way you can... I, I feel like, Aiden, you probably won't like it because, like, it's really hard to figure it out as an audience member. But I think when the detective is solving it and you're explaining it uh, to, to the audience, it's really fun, in my opinion. I have a what question. Do you mean by why, that? Would, why would Aiden not do it? <laughs> is Aiden dumb? No, Are you calling uh, Aiden no, dumb? No, I'm saying he doesn't like that style because I remember when we are talking about Glass Onion, you like it when you're able to figure it out with the detective instead of just detective spoon feeding the information to you you can still well yeah well my problem with my problem with glass onion is that like there's just an entire twist that is just like okay whereas like the way you're describing like in scooby-doo where you're led to believe it's supernatural like you can still guess like oh i think it's actually this you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's not a problem um but yeah like i think style wise it's really neat that they're branching out that's really what I just wanted to say because the first two are, as far as I know, very similar. But this one, it seems they're going for a horror vibe. Is despite I think it's very clear that there will be rational ex- explanations. But yeah. it's also cool that it stars uh, Michelle Yao. Um, she's going to be kind of like the person who summons the character from the dead. Is the idea? Uh, the last trailer we're going to talk about today is the new trailer for The Flash coming out this summer. Um, yeah. I'm going to give my hot take. Oh, actually, first first I'll say is we got reactions. People have seen the film now. Uh, there was a special screening at CinemaCon, and the reactions were largely positive. There was a lot of people saying, greatest movie ever. There's maybe some 
weak spots here and there, but overall they loved it. Now, my hot take, maybe not super hot, but I think that these people are lying or dumb. <laughs> And that they're just like like they packed a room full of people who were going to react positively no matter what yeah. they were shown. So I have a feeling that this movie is going to be bad. Not like not so even I. like mid. I think it's gonna be so bad. Maybe not like maybe not Ant Man levels, but like No, it won't be that bad. Ant Man is like it, a, a treacherous low. <laughs> Ant Man is a new low. But <laughs> like like the final battle on an open plane <laughs> looks like complete garbage. Yeah. And like the man, the stuff they're making Michael Keaton say. Oh, dude, dude, when this the line where he's like, So let's get nuts. I literally like I rolled my eyes so hard. Because do you get it? That's the thing. That's the line. I know that line. Do you know yeah. that? I know that line. I've that's from the other thing. Like, yeah, he's I saw a tweet that so- was like He's trying not to roll his like, own eyes while he's saying Yeah. <laughs> I saw a tweet that was like, this movie's going to be great for people who recognize things. And I think that's going to be... Like, that's it's, no, it's the, it's the jangly keys movie. Yeah. It's like, hey, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so many of the shots like, look right? like they are Injustice cutscenes. They are cutscenes yeah. from the Injustice mobile game. That's what some of this looks like. It just... Yeah, I can't imagine this movie being any good, but... Like, Warner Brothers just has so much riding on this movie financially that they, they have to pretend. They're, like, they're basically manifesting, a, like, a success. Like, they're just trying to, like, bluff their way forward. Like, ah, oh, Tom Cruise loved it, you know? It's also, it's also supposed to, like, reset the DC universe, right? Like, it's their way forward Bullshit. out of the mess, I think. So, it's, Which is also yeah. so dumb because just hard reboot. You don't need yeah. a reason. <laughs> you don't need just it. Fucking... Just like just be like, we're done with all that shit. And just yeah. All you like you don't need a movie that is what is essentially a PR statement. Just say what is canon and what is not. I don't like I don't need a, a bad movie to do that for me. James Gunn, just tell me, yeah. you know? And or like I don't even fucking care. Peter, what did you think about this trailer? Are you into the jangly keys? Yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a different <laughs> take. And I wasn't even um I wasn't even that invested into the Keaton Batman. I think I've seen one of his films. Uh, to be honest, I think I want to stress how important this movie is. Like this movie is has gone through hell. Uh, like the director is honestly not bad. I think he's the director of It and It Part it. Two. Yeah. So like it's not a bad director. Uh, but you know you have a cast member that's just you know, uh, running a cult and have no idea what's, uh, and I have yeah. no idea what's going on with Ezra Miller right now. So already really terrible PR. Um, this movie has been on pause multiple times and like just struggling to get through development. And now they've finally developed it. This movie is positioned after two pretty major DC flops. One is like just a straight up flop in Black Adam. And then the other one is a critical win, but a box office flop in uh, Suicide Squad. So, like, DC yeah. needs a win. And this is a movie. Shazam! You've forgotten the last oh, movie that came oh, out. Well. That one also bombed, yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, that one bombed even harder. Uh, that one, no, I, I think. Like, but like, I was that, watching. This, um, sorry. What's up? No, I was saying I was just I was watching Mr. Sunday movies, the two Australian yeah! films, and Love that I guy. they pointed out they pointed out like 
the last like five canon DC movies, like have the ones that are DCEU, right? have yeah. all bombed. <laughs> like it's yeah. like Shazam to uh, Birds of Prey, like way back yeah. the Suicide Squad. Um, what's it, what are and the Black Adam oh, bombed, Wonder, and then there's Wonder one Woman. more. Wonder, Wonder Woman. Woman 2 bombed, too. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. DC really needs a win right now. And, um, like, like, dude, I think I really love the DC universe and the, the characters. So I'm hoping this one can pull through. But what a movie to, like, put all that pressure on. Um, and it's, I'm, it's I hope incredible. it's good. Like I, never, like, I never want a movie to fail unless, like, the movie just, like, you know, a bunch of, <laughs> bunch of assholes, like, uh, making it or, like, doing it. But like, like what what movie do you think the Flash is? You're describing the Flash. It is there are a bunch of assholes making this movie, or there's oh, really? one particular Other one who's the least star. And, yeah, no, you and like the allegations, like to to not beat around the bush, the allegations that's against Ezra Miller are also horrifying. Yeah, like, pretty serious stuff. Yeah, like it's so like, it's really like, all I'm saying yeah. is. Hey, I never root against movies. At least most of the time, I don't root against movies. But this movie has a lot of writing on it. Has a lot of pressure. I hope it's good. You know, I end of the day, I just want a good time in the theaters. So, I will go see it. I looked at all the trailers. I think it's looking good. So I hope it's good. That's all I'm gonna say. Man, that's where you and I differ. I do root for movies to fail. I root for this one to fail <laughs> specifically, and I will not be seeing it because that is my boycott. I don't think it'll be good. But we did watch a movie this week, uh, and we'll yeah. tell you what we thought about this one. P- uh, Aiden, what movie was that? So we watched uh, Peter... Is it Peter Pan and Wendy? Is What's the actual yeah. title of this? You Peter Pan it. and Wendy? Yeah. Uh, we all just watched it, very just moments before recording this very podcast. But uh, it's a screenplay true. by David Lowry and Toby Halbrooks. Uh, it is directed by David Lowry, who has kind of an eclectic filmography at this point, including Ghost Story, Green Knight, and Pete's Dragon. So, you know, like a little a little bit of precedent here for the kind of Disney children's thing, but then some very different things. Uh, it stars Jude Law, Alexander Maloney, Ever Anderson, Yara Shahidi, Alyssa Wapanitok, uh, Joshua Pickering, Jaco- Jacoby Jupe, Molly Parker, Alan Tudyk, uh, and Jim Gaffigan. Uh, the DOP was Bohan Bazelli, and the runtime is one hour and 49 minutes. Did you look uh, side note really quick. Advance? No, I didn't. But I was. You, that that you, was kind of guessing. Think so, those sounded. Those sounded good. Which is um, but I will say, the whole time I was like, "Man, that main girl looks so much like Mila Jokovic," and sure enough, is her daughter. And so, Ever yeah, Anderson so. is who's Mila? Wait. Is that Mila the Resident Jokovic? Evil person? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's no it's way. her dad is the director of Resident Evil. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I, I did not is. know like yeah. her daughter is British. That's crazy. Yeah, the because di- the director of the director, I, which I've always thought is funny, of Resident Evil is Paul W S Anderson. Uh huh. <laughs> which I, just like just because like he has to That's differentiate crazy. himself from yeah. Paul Thomas Anderson. Never mind. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> um. Anyways, now that we've uh, got the information out of the way, we have a game we play every week, and it's called Predacritic. Basically, there's a website on the internet called Metacritic. And they have the scores. Oh, God. Okay, so critics make scores of a movie, and they're all added up and averaged out of 100. If it's 60 or above, it's green. If it's 80 or above, it's labeled must-see. If it's uh, from 60 to, like, 45, it's yellow. And if it's below that, it's red. We are going to guess 
where Peter Pan and Wendy lands in that metric. Yeah. And the person who is going to guess first is, in fact, oh, it's really close. Oh, Looks oh. like it's Aiden this time. Oh, okay. I really don't know. I actually don't know what critics are... Like, I can tell you I was not a big fan of this, um, but I don't think it's like... In terms of kids' movies we've watched recently, much better than Mario. I will say that. I will say the same blatant disrespect for children that is pervasive in Mario is not present here. I think they cared about what they were making to an extent in this movie. So I will say that. But I also don't think this is a great movie. I would probably put this in like a low 60s because I just think it's meh. So I'm actually just going to slap on a 60. No, actually, I'm going to go even lower. I'm going to go 57. Interesting. This will be interesting. Uh, next up, it looks like it is Peter's turn. I swear to God, Alex rigged the, the wheel every time, so he goes last. Um, I don't, I don't I think you often uh, never go last. I am actually spinning a wheel. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, yes. This is a really hard <laughs> What do you think one? I'm waiting for? <laughs> you yeah, think I really, I have the wheel like, is a hoax? I... Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I think... I remember seeing a good Ron Tomato review. I think it was around the seventies. So hmm. I'll go. I'll go sixty. I'll go sixty. Okay. Yeah. Just okay. Just sixty plain. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah that's I, I think. Was go. <clears throat> I think it's about where you guys are, but I do think it's going to be better than that by a, a margin. So I'm not. I'm not going to be wild and guess like my. I'm I'm gonna play it a little safe. I'm gonna go with sixty-three because I think it'll be above sixty, but I don't wanna I don't wanna be cheap and guess sixty one. Uh so that's that's it's not my cheap, guess. It's just smart. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I wanna kind of follow my heart and I actually could have guessed my, my real guess because I still would have won. Uh it is in fact a sixty five. Uh and the the score yeah. in my head that I was thinking was sixty seven, so I, I would have still won Regardless, Aiden, that doesn't mean you lose this time. It doesn't mean I lose. Uh, in case you didn't realize. But before we get into that, um, we are going to start with our non-spoiler reactions. So uh, I'll go first. So I watched this this morning on my iPad. Um, and <laughs> yeah, it was... But how movies was, were meant to be seen. Yeah, nice. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, when you release it on Disney+, Plus, like clearly that is actually how you want me to watch it. At least it wasn't my no fault. on a TV. Like, yeah, you're right. I don't, you're right. I'm, I am not where I usually reside. So I know. I, I understand. My but... options are a little limited this time. I would have watched it on the TV, but anyways, um, yeah. So this movie is, it's not terrible. Like I think 65 is a pretty good margin for where it should land uh, on Metacritic. It's just kind of like, okay, whatever. It's probably one of the better live action remakes i can't think of any other ones that i like more than this um there's just it's missing something it's there's there's not the the heart that it needs it is trying and i'll give them some credit for that i think i think they do some interesting things so it's not it's not a one-to-one remake they always they always try to add a new storyline so that it's like worth watching so you're not watching a beat for beat remake they're like Oh, here's a new wrinkle we've added to this uh, version. So they do that again. And I actually liked, I kind of liked the wrinkle they did. 
And I think the way they ended it, based on that wrinkle, was really nice. Um, the movie is sometimes nice to look at, but also not really. It's um, <laughs> We will get into it more, but there's this thing about like the live-action remakes in a lot of movies these days where they've, they're going for realism, and it means that the movie is desaturated and lacking in contrast, and it just looks so fucking ugly. And it's... Like I don't, I don't want to watch realism. This is a movie about wonder and imagination and never growing up in like this mystical land called Neverland. Why does it look so boring? Why does it look like Canada? Like it's just like I can go outside. Yeah, I was gonna say it looks, looks like Nova like Scotia. That. Well, but, that's because which what is it beautiful, is. but yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah it's, okay. It's filmed in uh, 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 New uh, Newfoundland. I, I was oh, going to okay. get Scotland. But Which is it was, beautiful. It, it is beautiful, but it's like... It's yeah. beautiful, but it's not like your wildest dreams, you know? Right. Like, <laughs> there's It's it's not the magical place of Neverland, and so it's just lacking in that magic regard. I think Jude Law does a really great performance. I think the score was surprisingly good. David Lowry does a pretty good job, and there's some neat visual things he does. Uh, also, I feel like he's showing off a little bit. Maybe too... Not... Not necessarily too much for this, but like, I was there's he does some interesting things for a movie that is basically a corporate job. So, um, mm. yeah, I think I'll I'll stop there. But yeah, it was just kind of like, fine, whatever. Not the worst it could sure. have been, but far from exciting. So that's how I felt. Uh, I think next closest was Peter. So what did you think about this movie, Peter Pan? Sure was. <laughs> uh, so I originally was gonna give it a much higher score, but then I, I just found out front of you guys that this movie is directed by david lowry and oh my god how is this a david lowry film like this is just i know right an abomination of a film in my opinion <laughs> there were so really? many like wow dude the fact that it's on david lowry this is an absolute abomination uh like green knight i didn't enjoy green knight but I really appreciated the unique takes he has on classic fairy tales. Also, that movie looks incredible. And the yeah, movie looks incredible. So Absolutely, you know. Um, the guy who did Green Knight did this movie. <laughs> like, I don't know what to tell you. Um, like, this, this is this is this is just straight up shite. You know what I mean? Um, there were really? so many. There were a lot of things that he was reaching for. I can totally see that. But that never got executed, whether it's due to Disney execs blocking it or like he, him thinking it's not suitable for a uh, movie aiming mostly at kids is like, I have no idea what what's happening in the background. But there are so many things this movie tries to do to actually make it an interesting and modern take on the Peter Pan classic story that could have made this movie so much better that just did not go for it. Like they, they've clearly had some setups and there were some things that the movie alluded to but they never explored that and i'm just so disappointed in that um and also the movie is incredibly boring uh, a <laughs> lot of david lowry's films are slow burns but i never really found them boring like they were often intense or like i really want to find out what happens next because i genuinely have no idea but this one is just so predictable and so boring like i know most of yeah. the time what will happen next uh, and uh, the ending is so incredibly dull uh, that I just lost interest uh, halfway through. Uh, and I, 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 you know, I saw the ending coming a mile away too. Uh, so 
I don't recommend this film to anybody. I think this is an absolute another failed live act, action execution uh, by major corporations. I think there's at the point that you have to realize that there is some like cartoon goofiness that simply does not translate to live action. And in order to adapt something that originates from like a cartoon or animated medium, you need to make changes to make it work in a live action film. Like it needs to stand alone, stand on itself as a good film, as much as it's a good film because it's based off this, you know, cartoon or animation. Uh, so honestly, I was going to give it two out of five. I'm now giving it a one out of five because it's, I just found out this by David Lowry and I would not recommend this to anyone. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I never would have expected Peter being the biggest hater of this movie. This is fascinating. Yeah, that's um, awesome. I, I do want to ask Peter. Welcome to the club. Welcome to the hater club, Peter. <laughs> Welcome to the hater club. Um, I yeah. do just want to ask Peter, have you seen other adaptations of Peter Pan before? I've seen the original. Like, I've seen the cartoon. Okay. Um, and I, uh, we, we've seen the school play, the, the prequel to Peter Pan. Um, yeah, I don't that's a, okay. Yes, I do. That's, <laughs> uh, yeah. But that's about it. I think that's the two piece of Peter Pan content I've consumed. Okay, fair I, enough. and of course I know the story. So you haven't seen uh, Pan with Hugh Jackman? No, I've not. Do you guys remember that? That was a thing. Um, mm. I I I should say I forgot to add my score and recommendation. I would also not recommend oh, yeah. this. Um, I think my score would probably be a two and a half maybe 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 a two i don't know i think i think one is really harsh for for a movie that is better than it could have been as like being pretty familiar with some of the other live actions those are like really bad this one was Mm. not in the like the dredges of of what some of the other shit is so um yeah that's that's for me aiden uh i will say before i get into it i remember I saw it a long time ago. Like I saw it when it came out, but I remember somewhat liking the Jungle Book one. And I don't... Yeah. Like, I couldn't tell you. Like, that one was okay. But, so, I'll give context. I am a... Uh, I know, like, very little about Peter Pan. I just... I've never seen anything Peter Pan prior to this. Oh, okay. Uh, like, I just... I was familiar... Like, obviously, I'm vaguely familiar with the story, but, like, I am more or less approaching this with fresh eyes. Um, so, yeah. I think that this movie is honestly kind of hard to look at a lot of the time. Like, I actually found myself, like, kind of recoiling a little bit. Like, just, like, stop. Like, stop. Go away. Like, cut. Cut to something else. I don't want to look at this. Um, And I think that, yeah, the realism is such a... There's a point in the movie where I was like, is this intentional? Like, and we'll get into it, but there was a, a point where I was like, Hmm. I actually do think that there is some motivation behind making it realism, realism other, other than just like we're making it live action. That's what we're going to do. Uh, but I still think it could have been implemented a lot better. I do think that this story is predictable and there are also things that like, just feel like they're mistakes. Like, and I just, it's like really weird things that I feel like shouldn't make it into the final cut of a movie. Like, I don't know if you guys know, it's like the color grading, is like different between scenes sometimes even within the same scene different shots I, are color graded actually, differently yeah like when they go to a wide it's color graded differently yeah. than yeah i got it's that also sometimes. it'll be like between different characters and it's like sometimes 
the contrast is really high. Like, it's clear that they've artificially boosted the contrast a little bit. Because, like, you look at people's faces and it's, like... It's it's really strange. Like, I think this movie's, like, a really strange thing to look at. Um, but I do... There are, like, occasional things where I'm, like... Like, there's one point where he busts out a tilt-shift lens. And I was, like, okay, sure, I guess we're doing that. There's another, like, very split-second dolly zoom in this movie. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's, like, okay. Um, but that's, I don't that's think... That's what I meant. Yeah. He's, like, he's, like, showing off a little bit. He's, like, I'm David Lowry. I can do fun camera things. Yeah, but I don't think they work. I don't think they work well. I don't think they were good decisions to do, honestly. And then there are also very weird editing moments. There are multiple editing moments where yeah. you straight up miss the thing that happened because of the way it's edited. It's re- So this is a strange movie. I don't think it was good. I think this is a below average movie, and so therefore I give it two stars. Um, we'll get into it. I don't recommend this. Yeah, this is awesome. Can't wait to talk about this. Yeah. Um, but before we do, we have a spoiler warning. Pew, pew, wee, wee, wee. I didn't catch any of that. None of that got captured by Discord. It's on my audacity. Yeah, Yeah, it's a good thing we do that. Uh, But we we do now also have to do our little synopsis. So, Aiden, it is your turn to do the synopsis. You have two minutes to describe what happens in this movie. Are you ready? I am ready. All right, here you go. Three, two, one, and here we go. Okay, so we start off with uh, Wendy and her two brothers living in London. Uh, they're talking about, like, Peter Pan and Hook, like, bedtime stories and stuff. Uh, Wendy gets mad and is like, I don't want to grow up and, like, whatever. And then so Peter Pan comes and visits them in the night, uh, whisks them away to Neverland after, like, a kind of a scuffle in the house a little bit. Uh, they go to Neverland uh, where they are attacked by pirates and they're split up. Um, they... Fuck. Oh, I'm already bit blank. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, I, I don't remember exactly what happens next, but they split up and yeah, the they what, they find their yeah. no. I'm there. I'm there. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Okay, like we're <laughs> so we go into a cave. Uh, I don't remember how exactly we got there, but Pan has to come rec- rescue them. He does. Peter Pan goes and rescues them. They go back to like the Lost Boys hideaway. The Lost Boys are like the people who live there. Uh, they talk about how like Captain Hook, the leader of the pirates, actually like was friends with Peter Pan. Um, and he was banished, like, he left, and then he came back, and he got old, and now he's cringe, um, and P- Peter Pan doesn't <laughs> want to grow up, and he's like, you shouldn't like your mom, idiot, stop liking your mom, um, and so that's his thing, uh, he gets killed, sort of, briefly, Hook, Hook comes and kills him, and captures all the other people, they go to the pirate ship, and then, uh, the, there's a, like, a princess who also lives on Neverland, who comes and, like, revives him, and then Pan and the princess go to save them, uh, but Tinkerbell also, like, gives, uh, Wendy some magic, so Wendy's also kind of doing it, so there's this big, uh, scuffle fight on the pirate ship, and it ends with, uh, Hook, like, kind of dying, but turns out he didn't die, falls into the water, uh, all the kids go home, go home but then once peter pan gets home he's like my mom's dead dude i hated my mom for so long and now she's fucking dead and so he goes back to neverland and reunites with hook and they're like probably gonna be friends now um what's up hooray good job and under time nice that's pretty well it i mean there's uh i guess we could also say like there's a crocodile that ate well first of all peter pan chopped off hook's hand which is why he has a hook hand and then the hand that was the hook or that the hook became the hand that hand 
uh, is was eaten by a crocodile, and mm. also a clock as well was eaten by the crocodile. And Captain yes. Hook doesn't like that crocodile. That is not a very important part of the movie, which is why you skipped it. But it was a very important part of the original animated movie, which is why I'm mentioning oh. it. Um, but yeah, I think you got most of it. Um, anything else uh, you want to add, Peter? That's about all of it. Uh, there's this one part about uh, Wendy is about to get sent to boarding school and she doesn't want to go. Um, I think that's about everything. Yeah, that's now. her thing. She doesn't want to yeah. grow up in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, cool. yeah. yeah, basically. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. So let's uh, hop into our discussion. So first up, let's do it. Uh, I have a point called the remake look. Uh, now that's yes. not exactly true. It's not. It's not necessarily just for the remakes, and not all the remakes look exactly like this. Uh, recently, I the top of my mind is uh, Cocaine Bear, actually, which was not a, a Disney live action remake by any stretch of the imagination, but also had very similar problems, which is a general look of desaturated colors, so they look more gray than colorful, and low contrast, which just means the difference between the brightest parts of the image and the darkest parts of the image, there's not a lot of difference because everything is pretty well not bright or not dark. Where the, the opposite high contrast would be the darks are very dark and the lights are very light. So this is low contrast. Um, and this is kind of the look it's going for. And this is especially a problem in night scenes, which Cocaine Bears, I don't, did you guys see Cocaine Bear by any chance? Yeah, I saw it. Cocaine Bears night scenes yeah. are maybe the worst I've ever seen in a movie. They look pretty bad. They look atrocious. Yeah. It is so hard to see what is going on. It's just blue, low saturation garbage. Yeah. Um, it's not even low, fun. Low contrast. Like you. You can do, like, oh. the blue moonlight thing in a, such a fun way, but it, yeah. Yeah, but it has to be blue high contrast because that's what makes it, like, dynamic and interesting to look at. So, anyways, I'll, I'll stop talking about a different movie, but this movie has that look for the whole time. They're going for this... Uh, it's, it's part of the trend of realism. Movies have been trying to look more realistic uh, since, I guess, kind of like the 90s was the last time it was, like, there was... Uh, kind of like lots of colors and stuff like that and it's been more of like a 2000s and and later kind of trend especially 2010s yeah especially 2010s yeah so uh i hated this aiden i i bet you have strong opinions particularly as a as a dop yourself yeah i don't i think this movie looks bad it's also like the sky bothers me so much in this movie so the sky, the sky. is like the sky is, like, blown out. Like, the sky isn't blue in this movie. It's, like, yeah. they were shooting towards the sun very frequently. And so, as a result, in most shots, the sky is this kind of, like, blown-out grayish-white thing that they've clearly just, like, toned down. And that's what I mean where, like, I found that hard to look at. Like, because it's just this, like, super bright sky, but the image itself isn't that bright. And so, it's just, like, it, it like, this weird incongruity... There's, but yeah, no, I, I think that the, the realism is such a weird choice in this movie. And then there was a point where Wendy and Peter have a conversation and they, cause you're right. Like when they first get to Neverland, it's like, there's literally a line where Peter's like, is it everything you ever dreamed? And I was like, what? This like island? Like, what do you, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah. like, but, but then later they're talking and Wendy talks about like, 
well, yeah, this is real. Like, it's not a fantasy. And I was almost thinking, like, is this intentional? Like, is it is Neverland supposed to be, like, kind of a letdown? Whereas, like, as soon as Wendy gets there, she's like, oh, okay, never mind. This is just, like, an island or whatever. Like, I don't really care about this. Because there's no, there's no point in the movie, really, where Wendy is even on board with, <laughs> with Neverland. Like, as soon as she gets there, she's like, no. But I still think, even if that's your idea, you can still do that in a much more engaging way. And you have to showcase that a little bit better. There's also this weird, just on the point of floating cam- on the point of cinematography, like there's this like floating camera thing, like the camera can't see him. A movie that I think. What? <laughs> Keep going. Get 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 your point across. Sorry, we're doing like, hand signals. Yeah. Sorry. Oh well, yeah. I mean, like, y- yeah. So and it's just I don't think it looks great. Sorry, I'm kind of derailed now. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sorry. I think a movie. Th- a movie that this actually reminded me of visually a lot was the Les Mis movie. Uh, like, yeah. I think it's a very similar, it's like a wide angle, like often wide angle lenses in this like kind of real environment. And I didn't necessarily mind the wide angles, but it, it was, it was strange. What, what were you going to say? Yeah. Um, just kind of the, agreeing with you is that Neverland is like this dream Island. And I can remember the, in the original movie, like, it, it does look like a dream island. It's lots of colors. There's the rainbow that goes around the whole island. There's, like, palm trees. And I guess it's it's part of that idea of, like, well, if it's if there's um, in the indigenous people of Canada there, like, there wouldn't also be palm trees. That doesn't make any sense. Or, like, like you know, like, you have to have it, like, a real island. It has to make sense yeah. because or all these different, um, like climates i guess or like uh whatever you i don't know what you call those like temperate forests you know like like that kind of thing like it has to be one kind of climate zone and it's like but that's it's a dream that's literally the whole point why don't you make an island that looks nice even when they they did they recreated the rainbow it doesn't even look that enticing it's yeah because so I, I think you can do, and to the point where, like, if they wanted to make it so that's the point, that it's, like, she gets there and it's, like, oh, this is real and it doesn't feel right because it's not a dream and she immediately... Like, you can still design the island to be fantastical and then just shoot it in a realism sort of way. Like, this movie uses wide-angle lenses and a lot of movement to give this, like, feeling of immediacy. Like, you're kind of, like, ground level and, like, there with with the film. And it's, like... I don't know if I agree with that decision regardless, but if that's what you're going to do, that doesn't actually stop you from making the island visually fantastical. You can still film that in such a way where it's this fantastical thing that we're seeing from like a ground level immediate perspective. Yeah. Uh, Peter, did you have any uh, problems with the look of the film? Same takes, right? Um, Honestly... The fact that they they're okay with using like uh, sparkly stardust for Tinkle Bell, but no colors for the island is kind of weird. Because it's like you're already committing to one fantastical concept. Why not just full commit? I think that's just one of the things that I was talking about. Like when you're translating things into live action, there are certain things you need to take into consideration. Like these movies are magical because of certain things, and if you're missing that, then either full commit in the other direction like Aiden said like if it's what if it's not supposed to be magical or you know be like the original and give us the fantastic look so yeah 
Agreed. I've also on the visual point as well, just while we're here, I've also realized that an essential component of film language that, and I think this is just a personal thing that whenever it's missing, I always am like really taken aback is that when there aren't extreme wides of an environment, especially when we're in this, like there are some, when we first get to Neverland, but then we kind of stop using them. Like generally speaking. And I think like, there are things that I really need because in this movie, I constantly felt like, like contained. And I felt like the space in this movie was really strange, especially like there are times where they're walking on the path and they're talking and in their singles and in the two shots and whatever, I can't really even tell where they are. And it's like, I feel like this space should feel really open and it doesn't, it didn't feel that way to me for most of the thing. And I, I couldn't tell you what it is that's doing that for me, but I th- I think that it's very rare that they're cutting out to a wider shot, and I think that's part mm. of it. I don't. Yeah, that's interesting. I I bet that the reason would be just hiding things. Like this is you know. Yeah. It's it's probably their film. But that's what it feels happen. like. It feels like they're hiding yeah. things. Yeah. It feels like they're hiding things. That's that's totally fair. Um, but earlier you mentioned like there is I noticed pretty quickly a preference for wide shots in this movie. And I, I think that also like, like they're trying to tell an emotional story. And I think that choosing wide shots more often than, than ups is kind of hampering that point. Like, mm. like it's, it's going against what the story they're trying to tell. They're trying to make this emotional story about not wanting to grow up and like, um, like alienating your friends and stuff like that. But then, at emotional moments, they're going to the wide shots, which is just, it is just a yeah. really strange uh, choice. And I think also, like, we might as well talk about this now, but, like, I think that also speaks to the editing, which was really strange. Yeah. I found that, yeah, so there's there's some really weird editing in this movie where at really emotional moments, they're going to the wide instead of what I personally felt should have been the close-up. Like... Yeah. This is like it's maybe it's getting a little nitpicky, but I think like it's it's not just one moment; it's a lot of moments where there it's an emotional moment, and they're choosing to stay back and keep me further from the characters, which isn't helping their point. Um, yeah. But I also know like there's also some just like like actually bad editing. Yeah. There's the the most egregious part that I caught was when Wendy slaps Peter, which is like really interesting. And they immediately yeah. cut away. And not only cut away, they do a Star Wars transition wipe. Yes! Like, like I laughed out loud. Wipes. It was so funny. And they never do it again. It's I know. I was like, that's so wipe. bizarre. Like, this, they, this mo- that's such a weird have, tonal shift. Yeah. They must have cut something. It must have been a longer yeah. scene that they cut for time or something. Maybe Disney execs was like, uh-oh, characters are being dramatic and, like, having flaws can't have that that's my guess um because that was like the most interesting part of the movie not really but you know it was it was the most interesting it it had been for a while where wendy Mm -hmm. is having a conflict with peter and they decide to cut at the moment of climax like and cut away so that we resolve that off screen sort of and when we cut back to them they're just walking away and I'm like, that is the mo- the time in between the cuts was the most interesting part of both of those scenes, and you decided yeah. to cut away. Bizarre. It's, I have no idea what also, was happening there. 
there are also just like little mistakes in editing where it's like because of the way it's edited i actually didn't even see what happened like really like there's one when they first get to neverland and there are cannons being fired at them the very Mm -hmm. first cannonball i didn't see them like dodge it we see it like fired and then we see like a two shot of peter and wendy going like why are they firing at us? And it's like, what happened to the cannonball? Yeah. And then we just see the next shots. It's so weird. <laughs> There's another moment where I literally had to rewind because I didn't understand what happened. Where, like, it was um, when we... Because I don't know the story at all. I'm not familiar with it at all. We are in the Lost Boys hideout, and Wendy goes up and sees a door that says Peter's room, and scratched out on it is James. And James is Hook. And so the way they reveal this is that Tinkerbell, like, draws a hook, but it cuts away from that shot so fast that I had no idea what she was drawing. I was like, oh, it's just, like, a curve? Like, and I actually rewinded twice before I was like, what is she drawing there? And then I was like, oh, (laughs) oh, it's hook. Okay. It's a hook. She's doing a hook, but I didn't get it. Yeah, there's another bad edit where I think it's, Peter, it's it's at the end when the ship is upside down and Peter falls and what oh, yeah. happens is, is Wendy catches him, but it's like like you see him like you know he falls. There's a shot that indicates he has fallen, he's let go, and immediately the next cut is he's been caught. We don't yeah. like there's no there's not him falling. There's no like yeah. I was just like, wait, what? We're Oh, oh, no. he's, he's caught already. Like it's happened. I also already. think, I also think that moment was a directing mistake, though, because we have the first shot where he's hanging, and he's hanging with his arms like loose, like his arms aren't tense yeah. in the shot, and so he's clearly standing on something, like very, or like wires. very obviously, yeah. or wires yeah. or whatever. And then he drops it, and then I think the next shot, I don't think they have him coming out of frame into the arms. I think he literally, like, starts, like, a couple inches above her hand and then falls, and I think that's all they had. Like, that's the only thing I can think of, because that's what it looks like. It looks like they didn't really have the proper connection to do it. Yeah. Peter, did you notice any editing weirdness? Does that that even, like, cross your mind? The hook thing is huge. I had to go back multiple times. I thought Tinkerbell was drawing a heart. I thought like she was going for a heart and halfway there, we were going to cut away. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. That's the nuanced uh, way to take on Peter Pan. Um, (laughs) But then, yeah, like it's a hook. (laughs) So yeah, it was a hook. Um, Yeah. Also the, the hook moment is like, like around then is, the part of the movie that I think drags the most and also looks the worst. Like this is like when we're Oh in really? James I think the hideout room. looks the best. Oh, the room looks bad. Yeah, yeah. The room looks the bad. Room, but the, the fire room pit stuff terrible. is the best stuff, I think. I eh, I don't know. I think that's um, the best stuff in the movie. I think that looks decent. For um I I felt like that was another example of them going for realism and so like the hideout is just kinda like, yeah, this is what an old castle overgrown with but like leaves and at stuff the very like. least they're using interesting realistic lighting devices so they're using like a setting fire. sun for part of it and then they're yeah. using fire as well yeah. fire com- fire um with the soft moonlight sort of thing that they have and i thought that mm-hmm. looked okay but yeah it's that moment where he's up in james's old room and, and it's just like this is just darkness 
like low contrast. I can't I can't see what's going on. Just like washed yeah. in ugly blue, and it's an em- it's an empty room. There's nothing in there to visually entice me. They're not even trying. It's just you yeah. know like this is sorry. It's it's James's room, but it's also Peter's room. So it, all it's telling me is that like Peter has no possessions, and I guess like that's a thing you could make that the point, but they don't. It's just like like I don't I do not understand what they were thinking when they designed yeah. that room to just be empty. And there's that's like a like great you know take, honestly, yeah. Um, which reminds me, I think the movie as a whole lacks visual storytelling. I think a lot of the story yeah. did not come from yeah. like because the the whole point about the empty room. Like if you if you want it to be empty, maybe like you distress it somehow. But then the other huge storytelling device I found in a lot of other movies is like the different things maybe Peter own or like James used to own, and like how they're exactly, being presented yes. can be an amazing way to tell a story. So uh, absolutely with yeah. you there. Um, I yeah, will say and- though, I think the ugliest part of the movie is the London stuff. Like there is the stuff that's Close in the second, beginning yeah. where they're in London. I think that is the ugly like. There is one shot where it starts extreme high angle bird's eye looking down at the dad coming out of the house and then it tilts mm-hmm. up to show the city and there are a solid three seconds where you cannot tell. You know what you're looking at because logically it has to be the cityscape, but you cannot tell what you are looking at at all. It is just darkness and it's just like a padding shot and then it goes on to the cityscape that looks so gross. Like, yeah, I thought that was the worst part for sure. Yeah, and also I will say the other two issues I had with the low saturation are in London. Um, they do carry on yeah. through the rest of the movie, but it's it's where they're introduced, so I might as well bring it up here. Um, it's there's there's two things that are like actually they're they're the parts of the original movie that are probably the two ends of the spectrum of contrast. There's the shadow, which is a, a mm. like almost a character of itself is a part of, like, the Peter Pan mythos, the lore, whatever, but it's a movie with low saturation, so you can barely see the shadow yeah. most of the time, and it's like, what shadow? What are you talking about? Yeah. There is no shadows in this movie. It's all nothing. So that's that's a real stupid flaw. And then the other one is Tinkerbell. She's supposed to be, like, a glowing being. And yeah. because it's this trend of realism and i apparently there was an interview with david lowry and they were like why does tinkerbell not glow and he's like oh it doesn't make sense like where's the light coming from where's the source and it's like it's and someone else said this but like that's cinema sins thinking like Mm. not like that's it's a fantasy yeah it's a fantasy world the lighting doesn't necessarily need to be motivated or but also that would be motivated yeah, that yes. would be motivated lighting if they did it. And yeah. Also, it's crazy because sometimes they do make her yes. light source. Yeah. Like when they're looking yeah. at her, their their faces light up with golden light, and then when it cuts to a shot of Tinkerbell, she's not glowing. So it's yeah. like, what is what is lighting up their face? Because it's not Tinkerbell. There's no yeah. light coming off of her. She's almost like, like the opposite. Like there's it's it's so crazy that there's. No light. Uh, it's it's making me exasperated, so I have to stop. But like, yeah. you know, it's so weird. Why do they yeah. do this? Um, but 
other things that David Lowry does is uh, camera stuff, and there's some fun camera stuff he does. <laughs> this is a Wait, terrible segue. Before we, uh, before we move on to camera, uh, one sure. visual thing I want to add. Like, one of my favorites in this movie actually happened very, very early on when they were flying through London. I thought through it was really cool how they flew oh, through the big band. And uh, this sort of, like, the whole sequence where they flew through the big band and then they arrived at Neverland. That sequence was cool. And That's how, the best-looking part of the movie, I agree. As they were Absolutely. flying through it, uh, the big band sort of, like... Uh, almost got like separated into its components like there's the face there's like yeah. metal parts here and there i thought that was a really cool sequence but if you wanna the big the big ben there. thing was whatever it was when they go to the sunken place from get out it's mm-hmm. that moment where they're like floating through darkness backlit that i was like this is actually this looks good is a yeah. new idea because that's not part of the original and like yeah, I don't know where that energy came from because it's nowhere else in the movie, and I was like, "Wow, you did something! The shadows are shadows, and the light is light." Congratulations, say, my, you've got a nice shot. My favorite shot in the entire movie is when they go through Big Ben, though. They have kind of a low angle, somewhat profile wide of it. Like they go through; it's after they've gone through. And there's, like, this weird light kind of coming off of Big Ben, and we start to see, like, the portal or whatever. And it's actually a sick shot. It holds mm-hmm. for, like, two or three seconds only. But it's, like, I think it's the best shot in the movie. And then it cuts away. And then we're in the second place, and I was like, oh, okay. So it, I literally, at that point in time, I was like, oh, okay. So it was, like, intentional. Like, London looks like shit because it's, like, drab. And then we go to Neverland, and it's going to be all like, wah. But nope. <laughs> Mario. They're going to the yeah. Mushroom Kingdom. Yeah. Wow! Yeah. yeah. Uh, but also, like, if they were trying to make London look drab, there's a difference between making it look drab and making it look like shit. Like, you can make yeah. drab cinematic, and they did not do sure. that. It just looks bad. Yeah. Um, oh, here's something. The movie opens with a oneer, and it's a it's an interesting choice. It's I don't think it's the worst oneer I've seen. I think there's a couple shots they stitched together in it that work on their own like i like the part where she's climbing the stairs i thought that was a fine shot uh but they're going generally for a floating camera in that scene um i'm curious aiden what you thought about that scene i did not like that one or i agree that i, I like you, this i thought you wouldn't yeah yeah i specifically like when she's like when she's going up the stairs i actually do like that part specifically but then like it there's a weird moment where it tilts up to the ceiling, presumably just so that we can see the title card and so that they can cut. Oh, and yeah. then it comes right back down. It's like, it's really strange. And then, yeah, it's just like this floating camera. I don't think any of the individual components of the shot are super well composed. And I'm also like, I'm just at a point where it's just wonder fatigue. Like it's not, like it's, it's not necessarily good. Like you have to stage it really well. And yeah, I agree. Like just, and it's not well staged, and to the point where, it's I think it's really awkward and it feels forced because it's hard to do a one or it's hard to do it well. But especially when the boys are playing with their swords and they're initially going up the stairs, it looks like they are slowing down because they need to wait for the camera to get where they need to go, and like it's it's this really awkward thing where they're running but they're like fake running because they can't run at full speed, and it's like just shoot it differently and you don't have to stage it like that. You can just like, you're working with kid actors who are 
clearly struggling with this choreography a little bit. Or maybe it's on your end. Maybe you're messing it up. I just, I don't understand why so many directors nowadays are like, are really obsessed with this one thing. Like, you can do such a, you can make a much more interesting scene if you don't do that, like, most of the time. And we can hear a cat, by the way. Oh, uh, yeah. was that all you were gonna say? That's not I my point. point. That's not my okay. point. That's not my point. Okay. Uh, my point is, I, I absolutely agree with you, Aiden. I think winners needs to be done with a purpose. Like, I don't think that winner achieved anything. I feel like the point that they were trying to get at with the winner is to give us a quick, rapid introduction of the family, and I don't think yeah. it did that. Like, it, I just it's, picked up that hey, we have a couple of kids. You know, there's parents and that's it and i don't think uh that's when you use a winner and this is not what the winner is supposed to be useful it's also like it's often used to establish like i feel like the idea is established like oh it's a family and like they they're playing and they got all like it's the kind of the the craziness of a family but it's like they're in this dark drabby house it feels cold and dead like and it's they don't feel like they're that lively with energy like i think that home alone has a shot like this where when they're going to i think when they initially wake up and they're going to the airport and like they've slept in and so everyone's rushing around i'm pretty sure there is a shot where everyone's kind of rushing around and it's it holds on one for a while and that works because it's like it's this high energy moment where everyone's scrambling but like this is just like whatever and i i think that i I, yeah i think it's an unmotivated and bad decision (laughs) Yeah, and it's like you said, you have to compose it in such a way where every individual moment is a shot that is like you've put time and effort into thinking like actor blocking, you know, and where in the composition with the camera. And it seems like they just said whatever, like just capture it, you know, like here's the here's the blocking and then, you know, camera uh, film it. You know, there wasn't a lot of regard to the individual shots that make up the one or as a whole. So it just looks bad. And I think, honestly, like the compositions were kind of weak for most of the movie, too. I don't yeah, think I there was a lot of good actor blocking. It was there's I forget what part of this movie it was. I think it was closer to the pirate ship battle, like at the end. But I was just kept thinking, like. How would Spielberg do this? What would Spielberg yeah, yeah. do? I need a hat that says that. But like, yeah. like he does wonders all the time, and it works because yeah. he does think about the individual shots that make up the wonder, and it's yeah. always motivating story first. Like, what do we need to see? What like maybe there's a small moment, maybe there's an insert that then the shot, the camera keeps moving, and it turns into a medium, and then a wider, you know, yeah. what have you. But like none of that is present here and there's there's moments where like things should have the actor should have moved closer to the camera and then that's how you by not cutting away you move from a medium to a close-up and they just don't do it it's it's bizarre it's bad but and it is bad directing and the problem i think they also are afraid to do that because that actually breaks the realism style a little bit too it starts to feel like staged not in a bad way because spielberg movies feel staged but not in a bad way but it's like there's that one shot in that was circulating on twitter from jaws where they're on like the wharf 
and like they're on the like thing that's and that's great but it's like it's yeah they're clearly directed to move here like it doesn't feel like it's natural movement or whatever but it's like it's it's right it's good and it works and like if you're gonna do wonders you can't wonders are to me an inherently formalistic thing so why are you trying to like adhere to naturalism so heavily doing a wonder like it's just it's weird to me like why are you afraid to break into formalism i don't know and it seems that wonders are the trend i think you kind of mentioned this but um i saw on twitter the it was a new trailer for the new transformers movie didn't bother watching the trailer but there was a, a clip of it that was circulating that i did see and it's a wonder in the what is probably the final action sequence and it's again like you didn't think about the shots you're just trying to be like oh like you're just trying to engage the the film bro who doesn't know what they're talking about so that they can go oh my god oh they're doing a wonder oh it's so cool because that's something they've associated with cool and with good filmmaking but that's not what it is it's a tool and you have to know how to use it properly um another tool that david lowry uses in this movie uh is the anamorphic lens am i right on that aiden i'm pretty sure i I don't that i don't I don't know. I didn't notice specifically anamorphic, but it probably does. I noticed that they're clearly doing a weird thing with focus, and in some points they're using a tilt shift lens specifically, which, which is one's tilt shift for the, again. For those who don't, you know, Game Night. Oh yeah, like the movie Game yeah. Night. You know the shots yeah. where it's, basically it's like part of the frame is in focus, and then peripheral parts of the frame or other parts of the frame Watch aren't. It. Not necessarily based on the depth of field, but based on just where it literally is in the frame is not focused. The social network has a really like shot like this too when they're doing the the kayaking. It's not kayaking. The whatever it is, the canoeing, rowing. Yeah, yeah. When they're doing that, uh, social network uses it too. I'm trying to think of other examples, but often when things are are trying to look like miniatures and smalls, they use a tilt shift, and they use it a few times in this movie. Are you thinking about... Because uh, I just watched Game Night. It's actually going to be one of my Predator's picks. Um, oh, yeah. It, are you thinking about the one scene on the bridge where, like, we see the two vans and the city background is sort of, like, out of focus and then the people on the bridge are sort of in focus? Think Maybe. I can't remember specifically, but a lot of the, like, establishing kind of wider shots are yeah. a tilt shift in that movie. I remember yeah, that. It's, it's the aerial shots because they look like it makes yeah. it look like a board game. Makes it look like a that game. Was the, yeah, so cool. That's a good use of that. Oh, yeah. I, that's so, why. That's sick, yeah. actually. Okay, so I didn't even think I, about the reason. I think it's an anamorphic lens. I'm not someone who's a master on this, but because the only reason I say that is because it reminds me of the Batman, which definitely used yeah, yeah. anamorphic. That does. So yeah. So like, and it, most of the time it's shots of Jude Law and Peter Pan. And yeah. I like, I guess maybe it's it's that maybe maybe what they were going for was like tunnel vision, like when they see yeah. their mortal enemy and like ex friend, it's like they've locked eyes, and so for those moments maybe that's why they're doing it. Yeah, because I think that is the reason. Yeah, it's it's strange. It it definitely like you cut to the anamorphic shot and you're like, oh, that looks weird. I wonder why they're doing that. Yeah, it I, it didn't really yeah, work and for it, me, but it was cool, I guess. I don't think it worked for me either because it like there are a bunch of shots specifically towards the end that are such a break from they they break off from the style that the whole movie has been, and it's like it's like right at the end we're starting to finally like break away from just strict naturalism in 
yeah. camera movement and blocking. And it's like, I don't know why it's so weird to just start bust that busting that out. Cause we have the dolly zoom at the end there as well. Like, yeah, well, actually that's actually. not that close to the end. Yeah. That's when he's falling, right? It's when he's falling down the yeah. spiral, spiral staircase. I didn't like that. Cause it's also like, if it... you're going to do it, if you're going to do it, why use it for literally a second? And then also like, mm. cause like, what the fuck is the point of that? And then also like, again, you're breaking the style that this whole movie has been in. And if you're willing to do more formalistic things then do it the whole time. Yeah. I called it the amazing Spider-Man shot. Cause it's the exact same thing yeah. they do for Gwen Stacy. It looks the yeah. exact same. It's really weird. I, I will say there's one moment that, I did like when they went straight away from formalism and it was one of the few camera things they did that I was like, oh, that really, really worked. And it was when Captain Hook and Peter Pan are facing off at the end and there are whip pans between the two characters, uh, medium shots, where he goes like, uh, oh, I don't even remember what he says, but something like, it's like, oh, it's old times. He says old or something. And then Peter Pan quips back at him and he's like, yeah, you're old, ha, cringe, and then whips yeah, back, yeah. and it's whipping between them, and I was like, wow, wow, I'm Owen Wilson, that looks really good, you know? Yeah, that was, that was a really good camera Cause that, for me. That also feels, at, it's heightened, but it feels within, like, the, the visual canon that's been established in the movie, whereas, like, so many other things that are busted out at the end don't. I wouldn't say, there's no dolly, or, um, whip pans, I think that also no, but strays it's, away. It's it's more. I, I agree, stylized. but no, but I agree. It's heightened, but that it's a floating camera that's panning. Like that basic movement is something that we've seen throughout the movie. Okay, yeah, and so like it's it's a heightened, higher energy version of it, but it didn't feel like it was straying too far. Okay, uh, is there anything else you wanted to uh, discuss about camera before we move on to some more plot heavy things? I just want to really quickly say there's so many shots where it, the characters are backlit specifically by the sun and it's like the sun is peeking out behind something like a flag or a head or something and I was literally going like like ah like hold, holding my hands in front of my because <laughs> it was like you ran like, what, like that's it's so distracting oh, no. like well, I don't know yeah. like they're and they're doing it constantly like no matter where the characters are they're backlit in some way like so often it's so weird. And I didn't it's like that. Again, yeah, it's again like the 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 realism, the naturalism. Yeah, it's everything. Looks but you can like do it and just shoot the other way. No, I know, just... I know, I know that they shouldn't have done that. But like, I'm just saying, like that's what they were going for. Clearly, like it's like you know we're lighting with natural sources, you know. Um, so you have to light with the sun, and they're trying to be all like, Ugh. yeah, just light light um, with the sun with it behind the camera. Just make it look good, really. That's what that's yeah. their, their goal. Um, haven't heard from Peter in a while, so I'm going to ask you, Peter. You you said that most of your points were plot heavy. So, what's your biggest plot, or what's where do you want to start off with your plot points? Uh, I have a lot to be honest. Uh, I think this movie, like a lot of Pick movies one. recently, um, they they've always been they're good at sort of teasing you, it's like, hey, this might be going on. Hey, that might be happening. Uh, we might explore that but then they never really dig into that and i think that just ruins a lot of films for me like for example in this one like one the big theme is you know about growing up and about like wendy eventually accepting that hey like you know i need to grow up um but i i think it's really interesting to sort of 
see them sort of teasing. It's like, oh, Captain Hook is someone that grew up badly. I don't think I don't think that was in the original, right? This is the brand new edition, no, Alex. That's new. Yeah, yeah. So, and I think that's very interesting. Like, like yeah. you know, like do you like the the sort of um, the sort of um, um, like it's almost scary to grow up in the wrong way to end up like an evil self of your younger self because you stop believing in like you know uh, because you stop believing in fantastical things before because you started growing up you started taking out more like life responsibility stuff like that and like how that changes a character like that puts Captain Hook and Peter Pan at odds like what would happen when our character like how does that affect our character's struggles you know what I mean yeah. like um, like you need to grow up, but can you grow up in the right way that you keep your childhood innocence at the same time? You know, like that type of thing that I really want to see the movie explore, but it never did. Well, I yeah, what so, I liked yeah. about it is that I liked that it was this idea that even though he is physically grown up, he is stagnated in the same way that Peter Pan and the Lost Boys have. Like exactly, he, and that's also he like he point. grew up without growing up. Like he he is what happens if none of the characters are able to accept change and he just becomes like a pit of resentment. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I I did actually like that part of it as well. But I feel like it can be better explored. You know what I mean? Because I feel like it doesn't really apply to Wendy as much. Like Wendy was just like... I'll jump in here. So I think that this, like this was the wrinkle that I mentioned. Like this is the the thing that they, they add in the new movie to be like, see... It was worth the ticket after all. You saw, you saw the yeah. new B story or the plot, whatever, the side plot. Um, and I, you know, usually not being a fan of those, did find this one relevant to the theme, which was really nice, and yeah. not super cringeworthy. So that was cool. Um, and even, like, a little bit, like, heartwarming or, like, like emotionally stirring, you know? Um, yeah. I think the one flaw it does have is that that's what the movie decides to focus on instead of Wendy's story when clearly this is supposed to be Wendy's story and yet with the exception of one particular moment I too agree that Wendy's story is not the focus of it like there's a lot of things going on in this movie and they never focus on what's going on with Wendy she doesn't really like she has she has two points on an arc that indicate change, but not really a lot in the middle because she's so focused on discovery. She's the yeah. um, the audience placeholder just trying to figure out what's the deal with Peter Pan and Captain Hook. That's all she does is yeah. act as like the detective trying to figure out what happened, trying to reveal the story instead of living her own story and having character beats you know like it's just lacking no i absolutely agree with you and like uh, like the whole point is for wendy to accept that hey like growing up might not be such a bad thing after all and then she did arrive at that conclusion it's like hey maybe growing up is the biggest adventure will go on after all um but there's like zero indication of that change uh, that she just sort of like 
throughout the movie just accept that oh actually you know neverland sucks i don't need to be with kids anymore yeah. i'm just gonna grow up <laughs> well it's also like so, she immediately realizes that like she when she gets to the yeah. island she's like oh no like like yeah. pretty quickly too and also like i really love the interaction she had at the end it's like trying to convince peter it's like hey you know like maybe growing up it's the next adventure you would go on and peter rejecting her i thought it was super cool but could definitely be explored more. It's like, you, you know, like yeah. you, like, it's almost like a dark side of Peter Pan. Like Peter Pan is always portrayed like, oh, you know, never growing up, you know, best, you know, like uh, this hero with a kid's heart, innocence, whatever. Uh, but like, what if like, this is sort of like the dark side of Peter Pan. Like he wants to hold on to his childhood because of trauma. And he, he's actually an example of someone who couldn't let go. You know, if that was explored, that would be, also another interesting way to sort of execute or like go about this movie and that was just again briefly touched on at the very end and you know not explored elsewhere that's actually something i disagree with i think there's a an amount of exploring a person's backstory that i think is overindulgent and i think captain hook and peter pan's interactions are at a level where i'm happy with it and would not pursue any further I think we get it, and like if anything, maybe a flashback to Captain Hook as a kid, but I think even that is unnecessary ultimately, and I kind of like the idea of not seeing Captain Hook as a kid, like he's he's stuck in this version of himself, and so going to the past would feel redundant, but anyways, I, I do think that um, what we see of that story is more than enough. And really, it's it's the fact that it takes away from what should be the main story is the problem. It's that the the main story, the A story, just isn't there because we're so focused on somebody else. And uh, more specifically, it's it's Wendy's thing. So she has her change is that her happy thoughts in the original uh, or the first time she has to think of her happy thoughts, which make her float um, with the pixie dust is thinking of her childhood. Those are her happy thoughts. <laughs> but at the end, her happy thoughts are what the, what the future could hold, the potential, the her growing old and living a life. Like That's her new happy thoughts. But there isn't a lot that bridges those two ideas. And I think what's missing, I did uh, look up on like Wikipedia what the original was because I haven't seen it in a long time. But at the midpoint, there's supposed to be a moment where she wants to go home. And that drives like a wedge between her and peter and that isn't yeah. really there i think they i think that movie is com is a little it's this. a little bit but it's weaker yeah but it's weaker because again we're focused on what's happening with peter and hook instead of the main what who i thought was the main character but uh yeah. i'm no longer sure because it's not really her story yeah, I agree. And like Alex, uh, what I was referring to at the beginning is not really more story between Peter and Hook, but it's like Peter is sort of the antagonist in the sense that he doesn't want Wendy to go home. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, like I would love to see that. You know, um, explore more. This sort of like, even though like on the surface it's really nice. To, I mean, like, that is sort of what the original was alluding to as well. It's on the surface, it might be nice to think about not growing up forever, you know, keeping the childhood innocence. But what are you sacrificing and what, you know, sort of consequences you're br bringing onto yourself because of that is what I love yeah. to see uh, the movie to explore.
Sure, yeah. Um, and I think that, like, I actually... Oh, sorry. To the movie's credit, I think the ending of, like, of Peter being, like, no, I can't. Like, I just can't, like... I've got to a point where, like, this is, like, my family now, and I have to just, like, deal with what it is, and he can't stay in the real world. Like, I don't know if that's in the original, in original but I, I thought that was... Yeah. I, yeah, that was, I think it's a great moment. I think it's also a moment that isn't over-explained. Like, it doesn't... The movie isn't, like, hey, he, he can't... Like, it, it doesn't, like, hold your hand through it, like, to the point where... If you were a child, I, I would imagine a child wa- watching this with their parents and being like, why isn't he staying? Why can't he stay? And yeah. I think that that's a good thing. Like, I think that it's a good thing that it's something you have to think about. I want them to explore that more, though, because I feel like there's so much potential there. You know, it's like he is almost the victim in the sense that he's stuck in this sort of child mindset so much that he can't get out of it anymore. But I yeah, again, I disagree. I think this isn't his movie. He's a side character. Uh, I yeah. think going too much is overanalyzing things, and I think that's our job as the audience. And if you <laughs> put that, if you put really, if you put that as the text, that's you're over-explaining. You're telling me what's yeah. happening instead of letting me feel it and experience it for myself. I think that last scene could have been like if this wasn't a kids movie, could have even then. We're not giving enough credit to kids, but like they didn't need to say half of what he said. All you yeah. need to see in that moment is the brick with his name on it. That says everything. That's what yeah. the scene is. It's revealing this was his home. That like it's an it's an image and so I'm glad they did that because that's all I needed to know. I could watch yeah. this with no subtitles on on mute and I would understand what they were saying. So that's that's how I feel about that. But I think that him not being able to go uh not being able to stay and then like revealing that because this is very different from the original him coming going back for hook was like like a moment that made me smile i was like oh that's actually in a movie that i didn't really like was really nice like these are characters who are they're both stuck right like aiden said i think it was aiden um hook hasn't he hasn't um he's regressed he hasn't moved on and Peter hasn't moved on, even though they don't look the same, they're different ages, they're both stuck in this kind of, like, eternal conflict. And yeah. I don't, like, when he comes back, I kind of hope that they're still fighting each other. Like, it's one of those kind of relationships where they're friends, but they're also like more Batman enemies. Because that's Yeah, they're Batman and the Joker. <laughs> that's what it is. And, like, just the moment where, where Captain Hook is in the water and he sees Peter Pan and he smiles, I was like, that's a great moment i love that a lot agreed yeah yeah i think it's just like um really happy to see that explored and also you know the characters are so essential to one another that without them what is their identity you know like when they were fighting on the ship they sort of eluded that's joker yeah exactly that's batman yeah. joker they sort of alluded to it's like like you know like when like without you the fire that drives drives my hatred or like fighting you will will go out you know like who would i be when uh, when that fire go out so for sure who would i be without you peter pan i'm peter pan <laughs> yeah yeah that would that's a movie i would see you know there's actually one thing about captain hook that is missing in the story that i i do kind of miss and that was tiktok the croc i used to think that was like hilarious to me i always thought that was awesome he wasn't talking he didn't talk he was wait really um, 
He TikToked. Because he Which had the clock in his. About then? I don't know. Lewis from crocodile. Princess and the Frog? Probably. Princess and the Frog Wait. has a talking crocodile. But those no, are it is movies. TikTok. I thought you talked. What the fuck? Well, he again, he TikToks. No as in there's a clock in his stomach and it goes TikTok. Anyways, Wait, the movie. Hold, hold, up, the, hold, up, hold up. No. The no, original I, I, movie. I want to I wanna verify this. Alex, is this what I'm not watching about? this. Oh, my God. Sorry, oh, listeners. Goodness. I'm watching. Oh, no. It's Inception. I can also hear his stream. Turn off the sound. There's no sound. Nothing's playing. I'm hearing myself talk. Guys, let's oh, move on. Let's just, we don't need yeah. to confirm crocodiles. Get me out of here. Okay, <laughs> anyways, sorry, listeners. Yeah, in the original movie, they, they do re, re... The scene where the brothers are chained to a rock and Crocodile shows up, that is in the original. It's a little different. Somebody else is chained up. But the Crocodile is supposed to make a return at the end. He's supposed to come back because he is... Like, what I realized earlier in the movie, and I was, like, just kind of, like, reminiscing about what the original was, I was like, oh, right, TikTok is in this, and, like, I know why. And it wasn't until later realizing, oh, he's not coming back, which is really unfortunate. TikTok is, like, the anxiety of getting older, and what that means is that eventually, like, death. TikTok is the embodiment of death because it's, like, first of all, like, it's the crocodile, which is, you know, going to kill you, but he's got the clock yeah, in him yeah. and you can hear him coming. And it's yeah. whenever he whenever he's coming, uh, Captain Hook goes quiet. Listen, and he's listening for the clock. And it's I'd love that moment where everyone gets really quiet. And then you just hear. And it like builds that anxiety yeah. about encroaching death. And it means so much. And for a story that is like exploring that, I'm surprised they didn't bring it up. Yeah. To their credit, I did not know the uh, I did not know the original was that deep. To be honest, I didn't think about that at all. That's crazy. I think that's what it like. It, this is based on a play. That sounds right. So I I imagine the play is like was deeper than the Disney cartoon from the fifties. But yeah, like I like There's I, I realized a silent that, film apparently. I think yeah, I think I saw that yeah. Um, but I think also I know why they didn't do it is because. TikTok, uh, the crocodile looks terrible. <laughs> he looks so bad yeah. in this movie. Just a CGI monstrosity, and not for the good reasons. Um, and so, also like, his eyes, like his, like I, I get, like aren't they supposed to be go for? Uh, aren't they going for realism it's, there? It's like, funny because they so weird. That's that's one of the few things where they're trying to go closer to the original. Because I'm pretty sure, I might be confusing it with Jungle Book, but he might have been one of the characters who went. When back in the that era, fifties, sixties cartoons, when a character goes yeah. kind of crazy, their eyes go like yeah. multicolor, and it's like flashing bands of yeah. color. And I think yeah. TikTok might do that. And he's got really bulgy okay. eyes, and so it's like they're kind of doing that, which doesn't yeah, look yeah, realistic. Yeah. So it's, you just get a weird mix of like something that should not exist. <laughs> yeah, TikTok's fucked. It looks really strange. Um, what else can we talk about? I like Stu Law in this. Sorry. I thought I thought he he's a little too silly. Like I get that you know like. I, I actually thought Stu Law was great. On. I really um, like Stu Law. 
Yeah, in I I want him to be a little more serious at times, but I get it that you know nah. it is part of the part of the lore. So it's like, oh well. I thought it's during a... when he needed to be, I actually thought he was very easy to take seriously. Yeah, yeah, I so? I agree. I think his he was probably the best acting in this movie, honestly. Like, and I mean, I think so too. He's the he's, he's one the of the only stars. adults. Like, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like so not not like, a hard contest, you know, yeah. showing up showing up with those kids, you know. Um, yeah. but no, I do think he actually had a really good balance between being goofy and like, he could have gone goofier. Like the cartoon is yeah. certainly goofier, but I liked the balance he struck. Um, yeah. and he made it for me worthwhile. I think like if that role sure. doesn't work, like that kind of ruins it, but yeah. And um, he, he definitely, he felt like he was a child that was like, he yeah. felt like an angry, bitter child for most of the movie. And I think that's a really good thing. That makes sense. Yeah. I guess that's what he's going for. Peter Pan, though the act, the the Peter Pan actor annoyed the shit out of me. <laughs> I just, I just. Well, let, let's annoyed. not go. Let's not. Let's not go hard on. He's We're not. I know. Have, I know. It's yeah. okay. Yeah. We kind of have a rule but, of not bullying child actors, so that's yeah, just yeah. Yeah. agreed. We won't go into it. Uh, one thing I do want to talk about is, I think, I think this is a change from the original, where uh, Peter cannot hear Tinkerbell. Is that a change? Yeah, I, I definitely want to talk about Tinkerbell. I'm not sure yeah. who was able to hear her or not. I couldn't tell you. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I really like that, you know, there's this one line from Tinkerbell where she's like, you know, like where uh, Wendy was like, he can't hear you like all the time, right? Like, it's not like he actually understands you and Tinkerbell nods her head. I thought that was like surprisingly deep. Mm. That That's like, technically without Tinkerbell... Like, a lot of the fantastical stuff Peter can do is, like, you know, he can't do it by himself. He has to do it with the help of the fairy. Um, but even then, like, he still doesn't listen to her half the time or doesn't even understand her, apparently. So That's one of those things where, like, that's another new, new wrinkle, sort of, where they're going for kind of, like, a, a feminist idea, but it feels very, like, empty-headed, like they didn't actually know what they're talking about. So that it's like this idea, like there's a bond between Wendy and Tinkerbell, and then she recognizes that he doesn't hear her, but then also like, she's like not in the movie Tinkerbell that much, like she's just yeah. kind of like a device. Yeah. And then there's the moment where, like, she escapes and like, like uh, when, when like Wendy has that line where she's like, "It's not Peter Pan's power, it's girl power," or like like she says something like that. And I was like, mm. yeah, of course you did that. Of course you're saying that. And then at the end, there's the moment where Tinkerbell's like, thank you for hearing me. And it's like, but like, did I did didn't you? mind that. There's not enough. That, it's again, like taking focus away sure. from Wendy. Like there isn't the arc. Sure. You're just showing if there the was more, points. if there was more with, if there was more with Wendy and Tinkerbell, then I agree. It works a lot better. For sure. Yeah. 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 Or you know what? Like, I think that the fact that, it isn't an arc. It's flat. It's the fact that she's yeah. instantly friends with this person. Because yeah. reading the Wikipedia article about the original, I was reminded that Tinkerbell is super vain and jealous. Like, she has a really, really distinct character in the first one. And they strip all of her distinct characteristics in this one to create a bland 2D character who does not do a lot. That's crazy. Mm. And I, Wait, I could think, you remind me, what, what was she like in the original? She's super jealous that Peter Pan is into Wendy, 
and then he's oh. spending so much time with Wendy. And so she's like always like being grumpy and maybe not sabotage it. I think she tries to sabotage something, but there's a moment where uh, I forget which is which, but I think in one of the versions, she uh, Captain Hook like poisons Peter Pan, or maybe it was a time bomb. And Tinkerbell knows. She tries to warn Peter. He ignores her. And she, like, sacrifices herself, not by dying, but, like, injures herself or goes near death for him and is then captured because of that. And they just capture her this time. She doesn't She doesn't do anything to, like, risk her life for Peter. So it's just, like, yeah. like all of her character moments are just taken away and she doesn't do anything. It's really sad. No, I, I, I absolutely agree. I feel like her character, like, we know her because of other characters. Like, she doesn't feel like a real character to us because, like, we know her from her interaction with Peter Pan. Oh, supposedly they're friends. We know her from her interaction with Wendy. Supposedly, you know, at the end, they appreciate each other. You know, they, uh, they, uh, Tinkerbell is grateful that she finally, there's someone that understands her voice. But then, like, that's it like we're just like told to believe that you know like there's yeah. no real arc with her character like because the issue with these two is that she understands tinkerbell from the beginning she's like Pete, like isn't the first thing she says to her is like oh peter doesn't really hear you so we're starting off on the right foot and we don't go anywhere from there we're just stagnant so like and also like i find it not convincing that like you know, like, you're supposed to just, like, think Peter Pan and Tinkerbell are, you know, this, like, unbeatable duo or something, you know? Like, there's, like, nothing to convince us that they're this sort of partner relationship other than, it's, you know, just, like, he, uh, she helps me to fly. <laughs> that's yeah, like, basically it's a, the, that's it. That's the relationship. The general, the general problem is Disney live-action remakes are allergic to conflict, they don't want to have like these nuanced characters. They're all just like mm-hmm. buddies most of the time. Yeah, um, absolutely. Trying to think what else I have. That's about it I have for plot and character. Did you have anything else, Peter? That's that's everything. Cool. I guess last couple things. Um, I think the score was nice in this movie. I it was like something that was trying to stir emotions into me, and while I was like, "You're not gonna catch me this time." Um, you appreciate I, the I, effort, though. <laughs> I, yeah, I think they, I think they tried with the score, and so that was cool. Um, still not a fan of auto tune, which they seem committed to in these live action remakes. Um, you mm. can hear it; it's just like a quality to the voice. I don't, I don't care for it. Alex, actually, I, 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 I don't, I don't have an attuned enough ear. Uh, Alex, I know you're a big musical fan. Um, what, like from the recent uh, live action musicals that we've seen. Like, which one do you think is a good execution of that? Is this a musical, though? Not really. There's, like, two songs. I mean, like, well, there are, like, songs, I guess. What do you even... Like, like I'm, I was thinking, like, did, did you like, like, In the Heights, for example? Was that a good execution? I enjoyed In the musical? Heights. Yeah, I enjoyed okay. that one. I thought that one was pretty good. And Tick, Tick, Boom was pretty good, but probably should not have been directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda, who is not a director. There were moments where I was like, that was not good direction because you don't know what you're doing. Sorry, Lin-Manuel, if you're listening. Uh, but, you know, like... Yeah, uh, yeah that, those are my thoughts. 
We haven't had a, like a really good musical in a while. I guess La La Land would be, but it's what kind about of Spielberg's West Side Story? Oh, I forgot about that one. No, that one's great. I love that one. That was a great one. Um, you're right. I forgot about that. Uh, and that was really recent, so I'm I'm talking out of I my like ass. That one but yeah. anything uh, anything else you guys want to mention before we stop? No, I've pretty much said my piece on this movie, to be frank. He said his piece, which means, Aiden, we have a segment. So, if you guys haven't noticed by now, the movie that... (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so this podcast is called Predator vs. Movies, and we've done the movie part, so now it's time to get into the Predator. We asked the question, would the Predator from the movie Predator make this movie better if he were in it? Uh, What do you guys think? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. Um, <laughs> despite being a kind of lackluster movie, I don't. I can't even. Yeah. What would he do? It's one of the pirates. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, in the, uh, in, the uh, in the sequence where they were traveling to uh, to Neverland, maybe one of the planets or something like it's like Predator's home planet or some shit. They they pass by through, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. He's in the sunken or maybe place. They, he's like, hey, the, is he here, guys? since it's like. Since it's like a fantasy world, it's like they the kids have all seen Predator, and so they like to have dreamed up Predator or something. Yo, Even though it's like, it's like, like 1800s story. London, they they like are familiar with Predator. <laughs> so it's like yeah. a bad time story, a lullaby about Predator. Yeah, I got it. Okay, <laughs> so instead there. of because the crocodile looks like crap, in the first scene with the crocodile, Predator shows up, shoots the crocodile, swallows a clock, grabs a snorkel. And takes the place of the crocodile. Nice. As the underwater guy. And he's That's the new crazy. TikTok. There you go. Next segment. Uh, Next Peter. segment. Predator we have a segment. What go. did you guys watch this past week? So let's hear from Aiden first. Start... What have you been watching? Sure. I did not watch that much. I thought I'd watch more than this, but I, I think I've just... I feel that way because we've done so many podcasts in the past I know. two weeks. We've, we've, we've done lots few, of pods yeah. recently. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I've been watching Parks and Rec just while I'm between terms and school here. Um, just re-watching it. I've already seen this show. It's a good show. I don't know. I don't know much to say good about show. it. Other than I, I think it's interesting, like, especially from the beginning, it's clearly, like, going from more of a The Office vibe where it's, like, it's supposed to be, like, kind of, like, real and it feels the comedy comes from the fact that it feels real but then the comedy as it goes forward is more comes from like the absurd exaggeration and extension of what's happening like 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 they they get really mad at leslie for like dumb things and it's also like like the like the things the town does like the political things that happen like the more satirical aspects of it and then also it's funny how like, none of the characters are, like, normal other than, like, Anne, maybe. Like, almost all of the characters yeah. are, like, fairly eccentric, uh, which is also kind of different from The Office. Like, in The Office, like, Jim is pretty normal, Pam's pretty normal, Oscar's pretty normal. Like, there are a bunch of characters that are pretty normal, but that's not really the case in Parson Rec. But, yeah, funny show. Like that show. Um, I also watched a my first Claire Denis film uh, really? with Robbie Patz. Yeah. Uh, I'd never oh, seen yes. before. Yeah, I've seen this one. I watched High Life. Uh, and I gotta be honest, like, for most of the time watching this movie, I was like, I am not a huge fan of this. And even towards yeah. the end, I was like, I don't like this. And then it wasn't until I was thinking about it more after and it was percolating 
it was like I kind of I thought started thinking about the movie differently because I think I misinterpreted the tone of the movie where it's yeah. or like the idea where I felt like it was going for kind of like a sort of like kind of grim sort of idea but then I kind of made the connection like I actually think the movie is very much just about like love like and I hadn't really been thinking about the movie through that lens and once I did I kind of was recontextualizing it and so I was initially going to give it like three stars three and a half maybe but it wound up being like a four-star movie for me because recontextualizing it with that in mind actually was really cool there are some great directing things I love I love the way bodies are both directed and shot like they just the physicality of Robert Pattinson's character, the way that he interacts with things is really great. Um, and the way there's specific shot where he's like sitting in bed with his daughter and it's like the way he's sitting is so, is really interesting. Um, it's kind of a fucked up movie. And I think that like, so fucked. It, it's like playing into this theme of um, like this, a division between body and mind. It's almost like this idea of like, without love and without like any sort of passion like the body becomes this thing that's like separate and this temple of like unkempt desires and stuff and i i like it was actually it wound up being a really interesting thing once i started thinking about it through that lens yeah what that's actually one that yeah it's one that i want to rewatch. i think because i had the same reaction where you kind of like see it and you're like i don't know how i feel about that but you think about it more and you're like Oh, maybe I didn't get a, give it enough credit. Um, yeah. Also, like it's a great um, not a start, but like like Robbie Pat's like post Twilight career pre Batman. Yeah. Like it's one of those the highlights for him. That's also like early Mia Goth. Like there's there's some yeah. isn't yeah. Andre three thousand in that? Like it's Andre three thousand isn't that? Yeah, yeah. He's a pretty crazy, stellar yeah. cast. So yeah, no, that was a good one. What else have you? I seen? think Mia Goth had already been. Mia Goth got her start in, like, Nymphomaniac, right? It was something like that. Like, that was the first thing she was in. I don't know. I don't, I don't I'm know. talking out it, of my ass. But I don't I th- know what yeah. I'm talking about. Anyway. Uh, I also watched one more movie. I watched a Turkish documentary about cats living in Istanbul called Kedi. Um, and it was actually, like, <laughs> nice. a great documentary. Like, not only, like, wound up touching on, like, ideas of perspective and how we assign meaning to things and, like, the stories we weave. Like... Basically, like, in Istanbul, there are cats that just, like, roam around the streets, like, all the time. And so, and, like, different people take care of them. It's, like, there are some domesticated cats, but there are constantly just, like, neighborhood cats that just, like, live there. And the way that people treat them, the way people talk about them, the way, like, talking about, like, the history of, like, why they're there and, you know, people's different perspectives on it, like this perspective they've developed they d- the movie does some really interesting things as well playing with perspective where it has like a camera that is like low like it's all this cat pov like going through the streets and that's that's okay. really fun awesome. yeah um and yeah it was actually it was like a great it was a really great documentary and it touched on like surprisingly touched on a really a lot of really interesting themes so i would definitely recommend that i saw that on movie which is a great service oh. i've started using movie more and more like Movie is one of the only services where I open it without having any idea of what I'm looking for, and I find something interesting just from the interface. This isn't an ad. I just like Movie. No, I was gonna um, say you're giving away <laughs> free ads. You yeah. really get a sponsorship before we start doing this, but um, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, that's pretty much all I watch. Cool, Peter. Do you have any? <laughs> do you have any picks for us? Yeah, um, I watch Game Night. 
So I had a good oh, yeah. time at Dungeons and Dragons. I was like, hey, I'll give uh, the earlier work from these guys a go. And it was good. It was a good movie. I didn't, I think, I didn't laugh as hard as Dungeons and Dragons. I think I didn't really? get like probably half of the board game references they were making. But the plot was wild. I did not see that coming at all. And that is like the exact type of plot I would expect from these guys. So that was fantastic. Uh, some amazing shots once again. Just some really fascinating sequences. And, uh, you know, overall, a pretty lovely story. So. Yeah, I liked Game Night a lot more than Dungeons and Dragons. A lot more. It was more. the opposite yeah. for me. Really? Yeah. Uh, but, but you know, like I, I still liked it. I think it's a great movie. Uh, Did you like the the bit about Denzel Washington? That was funny. That was funny. I just love how they can take just any plot and just make it a thing. You know. Uh, I, I, I don't like, know what you mean. By one, <laughs> one, one thing, so one thing I appreciate. <laughs> no, it's a, it's like it's like a really random thing that brought up. It's like, oh, you slept with someone? Like when? Like how? And then that became a whole thing throughout the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, mm. sure. Like they didn't just it's stop well, it after. Yeah, the it's a well-developed ends. bit that they exactly don't. Yeah, yeah, they um, do a call. One thing but... I did, I did find a little annoying though, is how many side plots happen in this movie. Uh, it's like a lot of things going on in parallel all at the same time, and. I think that's just a little too much. Like, uh, I get it that they want all the characters to have some growth and development throughout the movie, which all of them did. Um, but I thought just, like, some of them were a little too much. Like, for example, there was, like, the dumb guy that's sort of, like, discovering that he doesn't have to date Instagram models all the time. Like, sure. <laughs> like, oh, and the, not, the, not... Sco- the Scottish lady, right? She's Scottish or something? Irish? Yeah. She's Irish. Irish. She was yeah. fun. I liked her, yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, she was fun. Like, I think, I think, like, like um, Jesse Plemons is really funny in that movie, too. Yeah, I know. He's just, like, the serious cop dude that just, like, that, like, like, you just, like, you knew something was wrong about him. Like, something disturbing is going to happen. But at the very end, uh, and they're just like, hey, I actually planned half of the thing you guys were talking about. Uh, and the very end credits as well. That's one of my highlights of the movie, actually. A lot of movies, like Marvel, for example, they're just, like, Hey, we have end credit scenes. That's why you should sit through the credits. But like this one, I sat through the credits. I had no reason to because it's, you know, I watch it at home like it's, and there's no end credit scene. I can just close it. But like they actually make it very compelling to for you to sit through it. It's like, hey, there are these random little bits that Jesse Plemons was planning. I like how he identified all these characters. Really fun. Like I wish more movies handle end credit scenes this way. Like actually put some effort into it and make it worthwhile for audience to sit through them so yeah good movie. Uh, it's not the only one that does that but yeah it is fun when they do that for sure yeah um that's what all about you've seen? you alex yeah okay sounds like watched? it's my turn yeah i've seen a couple things actually so um first up i'll start with my highest recommendation uh i just watched the other day how to blow up a pipeline um now i know a lot of people hear the title and they go ah radical leftist blah 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 but it's actually like a really good movie. Um, I'm looking at a bunch of empty screens. This is really fun for me. So, uh, <laughs> so um, how to blow up a pipeline? It's uh, it's based off a book, which is um, not so much a like a as, as it's my understanding. I haven't read the book myself, but it's not a manual like actually how to. It's more 
of like uh how do I say this? Like like leftist, yes, but like like just ideas, like a thesis, more like a manifesto about environmentalism and how we need to rethink our strategies if we're actually going to combat this. Not not literally step one, you know, mix these ingredients to blow up a bomb. So I think there's there's you know, obviously this is a title that's going to spark Haha, controversy, but um, the movie itself is great. For a movie that is based on a book that is not a narrative fiction, it's really interesting how they were able to adapt that. Uh, all the characters are, like, well-developed, and the, uh, the story is really uh, tense, and uh, it's directed very well. I also really like the score. It's kind of, like, Hans Zimmery and, like, kind of like neo like not neo i guess neo noir but like in the sense that it's like synthy so really cool stuff um and yeah i don't i don't think it's a perfect movie but like this is the first movie in a long time that's made me genuinely like anxious about what was going to happen and i was really like quite nervous and i was like wow that's neat so i really i really had a good time watching that one uh can't recommend that one enough best movie of the year for me so far um cool. uh, then i've I also been watching it. yeah it's not playing in a lot of places anymore which is really sad yeah. uh i've also been watching some franchise stuff uh, i've got started on a franchise and i have to see them all through the end so i watched rocky five which is universally panned as the worst of the uh franchise is that rocky balboa no I, people like rocky balboa better because that oh, one's yeah. uh six yeah oh, okay. I, I think they like it better um, but Rocky Rocky Five is just kind of like nothing, um, and like I mean I didn't watch it in the most ideal of circumstances. I watched it on my iPad while we were like driving, and like we had a long car ride, like kind of road trippy thing. Yeah. So uh, it was more like just keep my mind occupied than like actually critiquing it. Um, but like honestly, like it's pretty crazy that the worst of the Rocky franchise like isn't that bad. <laughs> Um, it was like kind of watchable, albeit a little boring. I think it had good ideas, but just did not execute them in an interesting way. Uh, I also been watching Mad Max. Uh, I started watched the first one a while ago, and I thought I should finish that series. Uh, I have seen Fury Road. I, that was the first one I saw, and I like that. So I'm planning to revisit it now that I have seen Mad Max Two and Mad Max Three. Mad Max Two is phenomenal. That is a fantastic movie. Um, it's like oh, it's totally borrowing Western ideas, like themes from the Western uh, mode of or genre. Um, but it's set in this like post-apocalyptic punk uh, world, and it's so cool. It's the first time that what we know as Mad Max, like the franchise, feels like that. Like if you've seen Fury Road, it feels like that. Whereas the mm. first one, just based on budget, like didn't it was kind of like like in my review i kind of jokingly said this just is australia like it's not that post-apocalyptic uh this one is and it's awesome love this movie lots of car stuff really cool memax 3 is pretty bad uh they decided to bring in tina turner for some reason and she's playing like mm -hmm. an antagonist one of those like really 80s things also really 80s thing there's a tribe of like children like I, I don't know if nice. I, I feel like I've seen a million movies like that where there's a group of children and they've gone like feral quote unquote um, mm. and like like they're all on their own no adults and so they've created this civilization 
Um, and I just, I don't care for that at all. It feels like, Mad Max 3 feels a lot more like a kid's movie. Like the first, like Mad Max 2, there's a scene where someone gets their head, like not even fully chopped off, but like, like, like you can like take part of their head off with a boomerang. Damn. The boomerang is wedged in their head and like they are so dead. This Mad Max 3, someone gets knocked in the head with a frying pan and they make a goofy face. Like, dunk, you know? Um, so that's kind of like the disparity in tone between the two. Also, there's not a lot of car stuff. And it's like, why am I watching this? So Mad Max 3 Beyond Thunderdome is not really that great. Um, but also surprisingly watchable. Has that in common with Rocky 5. Cool. Um, last thing I'll mention uh, is I watched, uh, still watching Beef. Uh, the Netflix series, still a really good show. Kind of disappointing behind the scenes what uh, has been revealed about one oh, of the yeah, stars, yeah. David Cho. Sounds like a pretty shitty guy, and I'm not fond of the fact that the creator and the two main stars are like sticking up for him. Like I'm like, feels like a marketing thing. Like they felt like they had to, but I don't, I don't really like that they did that. Uh, but I mean, the show is good. Uh, and yeah, so I'll stop that. I mean, I guess I've also been watching Succession and Barry, and those are both great. Uh, and it's sad that they're ending. So that's those are my Predators picks. Next week, uh, you'll see our pre-recorded episode on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. It's oh, one yes. of our Predators classics, is what we called it. Uh, so first of its kind, and so you'll look forward to that. It's a good episode. Um, if you like our... If you like us, check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Predator V Movies. If you like my thought, if you like my thoughts on films, check me out on Letterboxd at uh, underscore Alex Gordon underscore. I leave reviews, and they're getting longer. I'm leaving better reviews now mm. that I have time. What about you, Aiden? Uh, yeah, you can also find me on Letterboxd at eight ten Sunny. That's eight one zero S O N N Y. Peter looked up the David Cho stuff. Yeah. So he's distracting us. Yeah, my name is uh, phone down. My name is Wombo uh, on Letterbox. I also leave reviews sometimes. Sometimes they're long. So very often they're short, and often no review at all. But, nice. Yeah, check it out. <laughs> uh, Peter, do you have anything to plug? No plugs from me. You know what that oh, means? Oh, time to review five star. Let's go. Any platform you want. Give us a comment. <laughs> Reply to our tweets. Tweet at us. You know, yeah. do all the shit. Please the algorithm. Let's go. Yeah. Reach out. Yeah. Send yeah. Alex some fan mail. So he loves them. Love it. He will yeah. Sign- do all those things. Uh, yeah. But yeah, thank you for that, Peter. Uh, <laughs> I guess that's it. So until next time, I'm Alex. I'm Peter. I'm Aiden. And this was Predator versus Movies. Uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.